Hello and welcome to Faithbrook. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest with us today, I am so glad that you are here. In fact, I want to encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab a blue connection card. If you just take a few moments, fill it out, you could drop it off in the offering box as you leave. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a digital connect card as well. Now, whether you're filling out a digital or physical connect card, two things are going to happen. The first is I would love to be able to follow up with you this next week and just thank you for taking time to join us this weekend. And second, we love when guests show up around here and for every single connection card that we receive, we donate $5 to one of our local nonprofit ministry partners. And this month we're donating to Cross Food Shelf. This is just a small way in which we can participate in local community outreach and to bless our surrounding community. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation. Well, for those of you that are on site, as you look around, doesn't it look awesome and festive? I know for me, I love the Christmas holiday season because I love all the lights. And especially for those of you here on campus, you have seen the three Christmas trees in the lobby and they look awesome. Well, that is made possible because of people like you who are so generous. So I just want to take a moment to thank you for your tithes and offerings and your generosity. You see, it's something simple as even our decor around here really do, does make a difference in creating an atmosphere that is warm and inviting. We know that it helps us to live out our vision to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. Even something as simple as the decor creates an environment that we know can give you the confidence that you can invite someone here to church on a Sunday morning. Not only they can have a great experience, but they can also encounter Jesus and have a life-changing experience. So again, thank you for your generosity. Now, if you're sitting there and you're wondering how you can participate in making the vision become a reality, one of the best ways to do so is through the Church Center app. You can download it from your app store, and to set it up, it just takes a few minutes moments. And once you do, you just go down to the bottom and tap on giving and follow the next steps. For all those of you who are on site, you can also give through the offering boxes as you leave as well. Thank you for your generosity and living out our vision here at Faithbrook. Well, today we are continuing our series. So let's welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he gives our message this morning. What a precious time of the year, Christmas season. And speaking of precious times, I was uh, talking to a young father this last week, and he was sharing about um, last week they were going to pull out the Christmas tree and decorate it, and they, their young four-year-old daughter were so excited that she wanted to help with the Christmas tree. He said it was a precious time as they were putting the Christmas tree together and turning on their lights says, you could just see the, the wonder in her eyes and the sparkle, and she was in awe of this moment and breaking out all those different type of ornaments, and she was looking intensely at each one and giggles and excitement, and she couldn't wait for Christmas to come. It was just a precious time of wonder. Well, that's the season we're in, and that's our series today, The Wonder of Christmas. And children have a great... Um, way of reminding us about the value of wonder, the innocence, the purity of the wonder, especially the story of Christ. 
And I'm going to welcome you. I'm Pastor Jim. Welcome to uh, Faithbrook this morning. Hasn't it been a beautiful weekend? I mean, it's just glorious snow. In fact, I almost enjoyed uh, throwing it off my driveway yesterday. It was such a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day here today. If you're viewing us online, welcome as we worship together, especially in this Christmas season. Well, a lot of times as adults, we lose our sense of wonder. You know, life can be hard. Life can be disappointing. A lot of times we're stressed out or just really busy. Before we know it, this, this wonder starts fading from our life. We used to have a lot of hope. We may have had a lot of joy. But things in our life are just hardness. And a lot of times this portrait of this beautiful wonder and, and belief in Christ and, and how he came just kind of starts fading. It's kind of like crumbling pieces of a puzzle at one time, it's a beautiful picture, but as we take it apart, those pieces fall into that box just to lay there. The last week, we talked about picking up one of the pieces of wonder, and that is the, the value of hope, the hope of Christ and the reason that he came and the, what Christ can give in our lives. And we used the example of this hope in this couple, of, this discouraged couple of Elizabeth and um, Zachariah, Zachariah who were longing for a child. But the more they prayed, the longer they lived, it never came. It seemed like God didn't care about them. But God had a marvelous plan. He realized that he wanted a forerunner, an announcer to the, his, his son, Jesus, who would come. And so this Elizabeth and Zechariah had a son named John the Baptist, and he would be practically the cousin of Jesus. And as they grew up to be young men, there was John the Baptist announcing, there he is, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So what Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't realize is that there is a hope. God does have a plan, and nothing is impossible with him. We regain our hope when we believe in what we do not yet see, the eternity, God's involvement in our life and in this world. Now, another piece of the puzzle that we want to pull out of the box today is to give us a sense of wonder is worship, the aspect of worship in our life. <clears throat> now, a lot of times we don't talk about worship in our American culture today. It's, it's pretty rare. <clears throat> Most see it as a religious thing, right? It's kind of worship is reserved for the house of worship out there. We might participate once or twice a year, Christmas Eve, maybe Easter. You know, we kind of see it as a very quiet, reverent time. You just kind of slow down. Hopefully you do some reflection, maybe sing, maybe pray. And, and that's kind of how we see uh, worship as kind of a, a religious thing. However, it can be said that we, we also can worship other things in our life and don't even know it. Uh, one of the definitions of worship <clears throat> is to feel uh, an adoring or reverence in regard to some person or something. To feel <clears throat> an adoring reverence or a high regard <clears throat> for some person or something. Do you think some people have a high regard and worship <clears throat> the nicer, finer things in life? They pursue that greatly. They think about it uh, a light. I know some people really adore uh, the outdoors. Uh, this is where they would say their sanctuary is, where their, their worship is. Some people really have a high regard and a reverence for certain celebrities as they were in the presence of, 
of a certain celebrities, man, they would be in awe. Can't believe it. I track them. I follow them. I, I love them almost. And here's something maybe we don't think about worship as we, a lot of times we worship our family, do we not? We have a super regard and reverence for our family, and we just follow them and, and, and love them tremendously. But a lot of times these earthly things can let us down. You know, one, one part of our culture that we really worship or gets picked on a lot is our sports teams, right? I mean, people go all out to be major fans, to show up almost every Sunday and tailgate the whole experience, right? Well, here's some advice. You know, I don't know if I'd be worshiping too much in our local Vikings these days. They have a tendency to let us down. Can I get an amen, right? Not let us down, but sometimes they can give us a heart attack the way that they're playing this year. Well, and all these earthly aspects that we highly regard, that we practically worship, they can be disappointing so many times. And another thing that we could easily worship is the, the Christmas season. Uh, we love to look at the lights and all the decorations and, and really get excited about that. But before you know it, we're really missing the true reason for worship of this season. And that is that person, Jesus Christ, who the whole season is centered around. Sometimes we can easily just slip into more of a superficial sense of wonder because we're not, we're missing the true essence of God wonder of his son, Christ. Now, Christ makes this wonder available to us, especially in the season. And this wonder has to do with eternity, the things that we cannot see yet, that's beyond us, that's supernatural, that is spiritual. And his wonder is steadfastness. His wonder can be personal. His wonder is full of love to our inner core and our soul of who we are. And this wonder and worship really comes alive during this Christmas season. Now, we're going to see a great example of this wonder coming alive through worship through three wise men that are pretty notorious in the Christmas story. It's, it's shared in the book of Matthew in chapter 2 about these wise men, or uh, the NIV calls them uh, magi. And Matthew wrote it this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, the word magi comes from magistrate. These were diplomats. These people were sophisticated. They were probably uh, highly educated. And they saw something and read something that, that compelled them to come and worship this king or this future king that was coming to the Jews. Now, many scholars say that they were probably uh, into astronomy. They were at least studying the skies and the stars, and they saw an unusual star that was moving. And they probably also were very uh, well read up in different religions of that time, and they, they understood or had copies of the Old Testament of these Jewish scholars or prophets, and they spent time reading these prophets like Isaiah and others and talked about this Messiah, this Savior of the Jewish people. And so as they read these, these different religions and these scrolls, and they saw the star and they understood the prophets, they said, we need to go. 
Uh, there is what the prophets talked about, this coming king of the Jewish people, and they realized that the Jewish people have always been God's favored nation. And so they made their trek. Now, we don't know if they were um, spiritual people, they, they, but they valued this, this greeting, this, this honoring. They wanted to intercept this king that would be coming to the Jewish people. And so they, they got on their camels, and they came a long ways to find this child or this king. Now, verse 3 says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, who is King Herod? Well, King Herod really was the governor of the eastern portion of the Roman Empire. He had such a giant ego and he was such a tyrannical enforcer that he just donned on himself the, the title king, King Herod. And uh, nobody was to get in his way and nobody was going to undermine his authority and his title. And so there he was. And so when he heard that there might be another king, he got disturbed. And all the people around him realized that the king is disturbed. We better be on the lookout because he can be a tyrant and practically evil. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, he's talking about the Jewish people, and the teachers of the law, he asked them, now, where the Messiah was to be born? Hey, apparently your religion and your scholars said there's going to be this new king, this Messiah, which means the Savior, right? And they said, well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then they're going to quote the prophet, um, uh, prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Now this triggered uh, Herod. He wasn't have anything to do with this. And so he wanted to track down and find this baby or this child that was going to be this new ruler of the Jewish people that were under his control and were in his territory. And so the scriptures tell us that when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, now let's go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship. Yeah, like, right. Like, you're going to go worship, you big liar. He wasn't going to go worship. He wasn't tracking down to kill him. And other parts of the scriptures that tell us that he did make a man a mandate to kill all, a slaughter all the young babies in that area because nobody was going to rival him. Well, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and wonder started to rise in their life. There was something special. They could sense it. They could see it. On coming to that house, they saw the child that was with Mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The scripture said later on, and, and had been warned in a stream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country and another route. They were not going back to Herod. These men... We're not sure how many there was, but they modeled something for us. They were pursuing this king. Yes, they ran into a king, King Herod, 
but in their hearts they were pursuing the king, the king of the Jews and king of the world. And there they bowed. There they worshiped and gave gifts. See, these wise men, these magi, um, showed us something. They modeled for us the value of worship. And worship reminds us and renews us. Worship reminds us and renews us. And before we know it, wonder starts coming back in our soul, keeps coming, comes back in our mind and our life. Because see, wonder or worship does a couple things for us. It reminds us who God is. Now, these wise men who knew the books and understood something a lot of times that we miss, that they were pursuing and coming to the presence of a holy God, the creator of God. Because if they read their Old Testament right and understood that the God's favored nation, the, the nation Israel and the Hebrew people, that's, that's who God asked for to reflect his glory, his holiness. And if they kept reading, they would know to hearken back to the seed of all humanity. He went back to Genesis. And in Genesis is the account of the creation of the world. And this God that created the Hebrew people, eventually wanted to be king of the Hebrew people, created all of mankind, including their race and their area. And so when they came into that presence of that baby who was the king of the Jews, really they were bowing down to the king of the universe, the creator, the alpha and the omega, and it humbled them. They were reverent. I'm sure they were super quiet. They got on their knees because they were in the presence of the creator of the universe. And there they were being reminded of who God is. The second thing that worship does for us, it reminds us who we are, that we are uh, his children And we grow up, and before we know it, we are his lost children because we each have gone our own way. We think we can do life on our own, and there is our heavenly Father, our Creator, who loved us and calls us back to be our children. If we receive that, if we align our will and our life up with his will, before we know it, this this God of love and help and hope is in our life. Here at Faithbrook, we kind of say it this way, reminding of who we are. We are to love God, and we are to love people and journey together. We have a purpose in this life. We realize that our world is broken, and there is hardship, and he is calling us to be part of his family, be a part of his team, to redeem and to help this broken world and to help them for their eternal life to have heaven and wholeness. Thirdly, worship reminds us, it renews our mind and soul. Whoo! Anybody need any renewal of their mind and soul? Because the world out there can be tenacious. It can be heartbreaking. We're thinking about the, the tornadoes today in, in Kentucky, and there's crime in the streets, and there's viruses, and there's problems and, and tension, and sometimes it just, it just rattles us, right? And we need to come to a point where we can be renewed in our mind, in our soul, in our emotions. You remember... <laughs> what the angel said to Joseph, you are to give this baby the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the heart of our God, that he wants to be with us. He he not only wants to be with us, maybe in the exterior things, the physical things, but more importantly, in the inner things. 
where our soul and our emotions and our heart is to remind us that we are his people, that he is the good shepherd. We are his sheep. He will comfort us. He will lead us. He will help us and strengthen us in life. I, I appreciate what the prophet Isaiah said, this coming king is going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. Anybody need a little peace these days? And before we know it, when we realize who God is, we remind ourselves who we are and that we can be renewed internally and spiritually, emotionally, wonder starts rising up. Wonder starts building back in our life and joy and hope is in our soul. There's an awe and there's belief. Can anyone take time to picture this picture of God who loves us? Would you allow him to renew your heart, your soul, to remind you of your purpose in life and what really matters in the long run and bring back the wonder of your spirit? If so, how can we do this? Can we learn anything from these wise guys or these wise men to bring back the wonder through worship in our soul? Well, first thing we realize from these wise men is they made worship a priority. Worship was a priority. It took a lot of energy, effort for them to trek all that way, hundreds of miles, no telling what the weather was like because to worship this babe was a priority for them. Have you ever noticed that we make time for what's important to us? Whatever we worship, we're going to make time for because we value it. We, we reverend it. Is God important to you? You know, growing up, I was raised in a Christian home, and, and um, I, apparently my, my parents really valued God because they took me to church every Sunday. It was important. I don't care what mood I was in. I don't care what I did the night before. We're going to church, dress up, clean up, and get in the car, and we are going out. What I'm about to tell you is probably going to blow your mind, okay? If you think uh, Jim's got some issues, maybe this is where it comes from. But we not only went to church on Sunday morning, wait for it, we went to church Sunday night, right? Every Sunday night. Six hours later, some of you are like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? It must have scarred you, right? Ruined you, maybe. I don't know, right? But why would my parents ever do that, right? Because my parents were telling me something. They didn't have to say it in the words. They were saying, Jim, there's something bigger than you. There's something bigger than us. There's something bigger than our time. And that bigness is God Almighty who's creator. And one day we're not going to be around, okay? And one day you're going to face this creator, and we want you to be ready for this creator because he deserves our time and our attention. Let's go. We're going to church. And before I knew it, I started realizing that I wasn't the center of the world. My parents were not the center. Our family wasn't the center. God was the center of our world and it shaped me and molded me because they modeled this priority. Now, part of the byproduct of going to church every Sunday, it lines up with God's rhythm that he dispelled in, in the Ten Commandments when he said, um, honor the Lord uh, on Sundays, keep the Sabbath holy. Now, the word Sabbath means a time of worship, but it also means a time of rest, we realize that God rested on the seventh day in his work. And every human being needs a time to slow down, to take in, to reset. And when we realize who God is, yes, he is the almighty. 
we shall not fear. When we realize who we are, that he does care about us, there is a hope that, that he, he knows us very personally. We talked about this last week. We can go on in the rest of our week with a little bit more hope. And he carries our sorrows. He carries our hurt. He knows us well. Before we know, we are getting reset. We are getting rested up. And so when we leave worship, we can take on the rest of the week because we have had our souls and our minds aligned and renewed. Now, don't get me wrong here. Worship is not just constrained to Sunday mornings, right? We can worship anytime, and we can worship daily through the week. I highly recommend that. Even to set your day, take some time to worship. Take some time to pray. Open the Bible. Open your Bible app and and look at that verse of the day. Reflect on that. You know, personally, I I like uh, listening to worship music. There's there's several um, radio stations out there that uh, dispel some beautiful music. There's Spotify, etc. And they're in our car, they're in our home, getting ready for work. At the end of the day, we can worship and pray, read the Holy Bible, and we are being renewed, reminding ourselves who God is. That's right. Who am I? Praise God. Yes. And before we know it, we're healthier and we're whole because we made worship a priority in our life. Now, we also notice another thing that these wise men did is they express worship physically. They actually bow down, the scriptures tell us. Now, we don't, we don't bow down a lot in our culture or at church these days, but in that culture, that was very appropriate, especially if you were around royalty or some authority. It was a sign of respect. Uh, you got low on the ground to say, you are higher than me. I, I, we come to uh, pay honor and, and worship towards you. Do you know of any other people these days that do that? We, even some of our Muslim friends, that they get down on the ground and bow, right? It goes, harkens all the way back to those ancient days. You know, our Catholic friends do this still. They worship physically a lot. The sign of the, the cross or the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a physical expression of their value, of their belief. They're showing that to others. They're showing that to the God himself. Uh, many of them still have kneeling benches. If you go into one of their worship, it's going to be some standing, and maybe let's all bow on their knees. What are they doing? They're worshiping through physical expressions. Well, Jim, I notice here at Faithbrook, we don't have kneeling benches, right? We, we don't cross ourselves. Do we do anything that's physically expressing of worship? Well, sure, or, or we can. One of the things that we do is that we, we stand a lot during worship. Why, why do we stand so, so much? Well, it's also a, a physical expression of what we're saying to God. If, if someone very important came to our church, let's say, you know, the Queen of England or a high dignitary came in, we would stand in respect to them. We would say, welcome. We honor you by standing. This is what we do when we stand in worship. We're saying, God, we, we stand in awe of you. Uh, you deserve our physical expressions. Uh, sometimes, People raise a hand. People are, are, are mirroring what's in their soul. They are saying, yes, God, hear my heart. See my heart. I believe in that. I acknowledge that. We affirm that. Sometimes we clap after songs. 
Don't be afraid to clap after songs. If your heart has been touched, if you are identifying with those words of that song now, let, let, let's make it clear here. We're not clapping for a great performance. Oh, way to go, all that talent up there. We're not clapping for the talent. We're clapping to, it's the, it's the new amen, if you will. Uh, in the old days, everybody said, amen, hallelujah, right? Now we're just like, yeah, just, just, I believe in that. I love that. Let's sing it again because I, I, I affirm what we just sang. We do this, we express physically. It's, it's showing God our heart in physical expressions. Some people have told me, says, you know, I really get more out of the worship service when I sit up front. Because when I'm sitting in the back, a lot of times I'm paying attention to what other people are doing or, or, or worshiping or distractions. And the more, the closer I get, the, the less distractions I have. In the same manner, it's the same way when, when we encourage you to close your eyes. Uh, sometimes they'll say, let's pray, close your eyes, bow your heads. Why do, why do we do that? It's a physical um, uh, action. Because it helps us to focus. One of the best things we can do when we're singing sometimes is just let the leaders sing the songs while we close our eyes and reflect on what those words are saying. We start embracing. Before we know it, the wonder starts rising up. Maybe a tear starts being shed. We start picturing and focusing. We're not worried about what people are thinking of us. We're not worried about what happened last week or coming up this week. Or if we raise our hand or not, we're just in, in the audience, in the presence with God. And sometimes that means closing our eyes. Sometimes that means raising the hand, clapping, because we are embracing, and the wonder through worship starts rising up in our life. Now, there's another expression that they showed us when they worshiped this king, is they worshiped through giving. And they came with some pretty unique gifts. Their first gift was gold. Why would they bring gold? That, that was uh, the most valuable currency in that time, very expensive, because they were coming to worship a king. And that was the gift that you would give the sign of royalty. And I'm, I'm sure that, that it took that young Hebrew couple off guard, this expensive, I'm not sure if it was a bar of gold or what it was coins, but it was a monetary gift, a, a cash gift in that day. So come and say, yes, this is for you. We honor you. We worship you. We love you you. The second one that the scriptures express is they brought frankincense. Frankincense was very uh, a specialized ointment or an oil that was used frequently in the, the temple. The priests would use this ointment in different ceremonies. It was really kind of uh, designed, uh, limited to, to priests, and especially the high priest. What they were saying is they were acknowledging, they maybe didn't know it or not, but they were acknowledging that, that eventually this baby would, would take hold of the a role of his high priesthood, that Christ would be the high priest. And priests represent God himself and intercede between God and the people. And Jesus Christ would do that as he hung on that cross, representing our sins that we were guilty for, but because he so loved us. And they gave him the third gift, and this was, was really unusual, and this was the ointment of myrrh, uh, this, this embalming agent that, that people would use to mummify or to treat the decaying body, to hold off or counter the, the, the aroma of the decaying body, this, this myrrh. It was really set aside for people that had died or, or to deal with that whole process, and they were giving this baby myrrh. 
Maybe it would be the same type of myrrh that 33 years later that this same mother would take to the grave during Easter time, and she found the grave would be open to minister to that dead body, but she didn't find a dead body. She found an empty grave. See, this all was lining up that God so loved the world that he was going to send his only son, Jesus Christ, in a form of human through a virgin mother as a baby in that simple little manger and, and to grow and be raised. Eventually, he'd be falsely accused and he would be hung on a cross on our behalf because sin has to be dealt with. A holy God says, you can't get away with sin. If I love humanity, I have to reward the goodness, but I have to punish the bad. And the Bible says that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of what God expected. And the wages of sin is death. And in, those, in the Old Testament times, it took a, a sacrifice. Blood had to be spilt. Something alive, like a, a lamb or a bull, had to be sacrificed. And the blood would have to be spilled to atone, to cover for the sins of mankind. And Jesus says, I'm the last lamb. I'm the last sacrifice. It's going to be my blood. And only by my blood is divine enough, pure enough, holy enough to cover your sins. And so he allowed himself to be crucified on that cross that we could be free and that we could be redeemed and be right with God. And so the time that we come to the end of our life and take our last breath, we have assurance that we're going to have a heavenly home with him. And so when we remember who he is, who we are, and we have our mind and soul renewed, worship starts happening. And worship reminds us and renews us. Now going forward today, we want to encourage you to worship today. Our band is going to come out a little bit, and we're going to sing a couple more songs. But I want you to do four things for me. I want you to make private and public worship more of a priority. Is God really important in your life? Then make it a priority. Daily, spending a little bit of worship time with him, reflecting on his Bible, his word. On Sundays or online, worship him. Bring your kids, bring your soul to be renewed. Secondly, I would encourage you to be more focused when you do show up and worship. Uh, close your eyes. If, just go for it and say, God, I love you so much, I'm going to just show it physically. I'm going to maybe raise a hand. You know, if you really want to get carried away, you can do two hands, all right? But somewhere, we want, to, we want to focus physically to express what's happening in our soul. Thirdly, I want you to encourage in participating like the wise men in giving. What can you give to God? Now, some of you might be saying, hey, you know, we used to pass the plate. We don't do that anymore. There, there's a couple of reasons for that, but we're more of an electronic giving age. And so we ask people to either um, write a check or, or give cash and put it in an offering box. But a lot of people go through our church app and they just sign up and they can press their dollar amount and that's their offering. They don't necessarily have to do it on Sunday morning, but they can do it any time. And so... Some people miss that. Hey, that used to be an act of worship. We used to pass the plate, and we could put our gold, our money, and say, God, this is for you. I, I love you. Well, for Terry and I, we, we don't get that opportunity to do that by passing plate today. But every two weeks, I get an email from this church that says, thank you for your donation. And I'll open up that email, and I'll see what we, we gave. Usually it's pretty significant. And I'll say to myself, you know, that, that's a pretty ch good chunk of money. My family and I, we, we could have done something else with that. 
maybe something more fun or something. But you know what? That goes to you, God. I'm giving you that. I gave you that. I'm worshiping through giving. And finally, ultimately, worship God with your heart because your heart connects with God's love and his truth. And the wonder starts returning in our life and our soul. Before you know it, you are being renewed. You are getting some balance in life. There's a little bit of of joy and and hope and, and maybe forgiveness coming back into your soul. And you can pursue life in a more healthy way, even have some joyous time. So I want to encourage you this morning to stand with me as we go back into a, a, a worship time, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you set aside moments like this and these sanctuary halls that we can just push away the things of the world, the things that are pressuring us and hurting us or disappointing us and keep our eyes fixed on you. We thank you for this biblical account of these, these gentlemen that came all the way from the east to worship physically and spiritually in your presence. Help us to do the same, not only this morning, but for the rest of our lives. We're prayed in your name. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are the King of Kings. You deserve our praise. You deserve our time. You deserve our attention in our lives. This morning, God, we try to identify with those wise men who saw the value and understood the significance of being in your presence. As they bowed their knees and gave their gifts, God, they understood who they were. They understood who you were. God, would that sink deeply into our life? Will we always stay reverent for you, God? Will we give us a pattern in our life, God, to, to worship you? to retain the wonder that we can have in our heart with you and our soul with you. God, we know that we live in a difficult world. There's a lot of distractions and opportunities out there, God, but would you help us, especially this Christmas, to keep you center. Whatever we have to go through this week, whatever we're up against, God, help us to remind ourselves that you are with us. You're never going to leave us nor forsake us, and we can do all things through you. We love you, we adore you, we worship you, and we go in your name. And everyone said, amen. But God bless you. Thanks for coming today and worshiping. You're dismissed.